Hey, hi everyone. We are now in part two of our series, Heart Health. Last week, our three main points were, number one, the heart is deceitful. Talked about that. And we also said, to guard your heart from the lust of the eyes, the lust of the flesh, and the pride of life. And we also said, to guard your heart with truth. We also concluded that, the, that God is the strength of our hearts. Today, we want to talk about another important part of our heart health. We'd like to answer the question, where are you now in your relationship with God? Or do you have a relationship with God? So we'll take a few minutes later on this week. I want you to spend time with God and ask Him, Lord, where do I stand with you and my relationship with you? You know, I personally, I do this a lot. Um, I kind of drown the world or clear up the mechanism, clear the world from my mind, um, every day actually. Early in the morning, I've made the decision many, many years ago to start with God. And then I stopped thinking of family, work, friends, ambitions, plans. I stopped doing that. And I said, God, before I even face the world, I go to a, a secret place or my room and I said, God, you and me, you and me, how am I doing? What's up? Tell me. Talk to me. Speak to me. I want to listen to you. So where is my heart? Where is my heart? Where is your heart? Today we're going to journey back in time almost 2,000 years ago okay, to a city in ancient Greece called Ephesus. Ephesus means desirable. At the time, it was the most desirable place to live in. It was like a tourist destination similar to maybe Hawaii or the Maldives or Bali in Indonesia, or Cape Town in South Africa. It was the center of trade, travel, and commerce. It was situated on the Aegean Sea. The city was one of the greatest seaports of the ancient world. You could say it was like the port of Singapore or Shanghai. It also had major roads connecting to other significant cities in Asia Minor. Ephesus today is located in the western shores of modern-day Turkey. The Apostle Paul planted the church there. In, it was shown in the book of Acts and was later on pastored by uh, one of his disciples, uh, Timothy. Paul was an encourager. He was a man of faith. God used Paul to reach the city of Ephesus. All the Jews and Greeks heard the word of the Lord. How many of you, just like Paul, have reached out to your family and friends in your city, in your homes. Have you ever tried or attempted to share your faith with and to others? Despite the strong objections to the gospel, many Ephesians came to faith in Christ through the, the, the faithful ministry of Paul and his companions. God did many miracles through Paul. It's in Acts 19. Have you seen God do miracles in your lives? Have you personally experienced God's healing? I have. I've seen it in my family. Have you experienced God's power, the power of God? Have you experienced God's protection in your life? Have you gotten closer to God because of his love for you? Paul discipled Timothy in Ephesus. The second question is, have you ever discipled somebody? What do I mean? Well, have you taught somebody about the Word of God? 
or become the hands and feet of Jesus to someone? Have you really took the time to disciple someone? Why? Why, why do you do that? Why did you, why, why do you disciple people? Or maybe why not? Were you ever discipled? Does some, somebody taught you the word, sat down with you. Did someone spend time teaching you about God and his word? Were you changed by God because of this? So what's stopping you from discipling or teaching someone about Christ? I'm sure what others, uh, others to experience Christ the way you did. You want others to do that. Who are the people in your life that are just waiting for you to share your faith with them? You know, as the church in Ephesus grew in number, more people were serving the church and serving God. But as time passed, they were merely doing what needs to be done, but their hearts, talking about the heart, their hearts were no longer with God. Question again, how do you know that your heart is from God. The church in Ephesus, they were not in sin. They were not serving uh, other gods or having idols. They were not stealing or lying. They were doing their trade and they were working hard, their daily chores. They go about their day. They even have endured hardship uh, for the name of God. But then Jesus told them, your heart is no longer for me. Is it possible to survive or even thrive in this life, okay, without God in it. Yeah, I believe it's possible. The sad thing is this, you can thrive, but you can miss your purpose. You can miss your mark. And the honest truth is, you can even find fulfillment. Jesus' letter to the church at Ephesus contains Jesus' famous rebuke. Okay, you know how Jesus does it. It's always out of love. He said, you know, you have, you have left your first love, okay? I know your deeds, your hard work, and your perseverance. I know that you cannot tolerate wicked people, that you have tested those who claim to be apostles but are not, and have found them false. You have persevered, okay? Maybe that's you. And have endured hardship for my name and have not grown weary. Yet I hold this against you. You have forsaken the love you had at first. You know, I question, I ask God, God, I wish that's not me. I wish I'm not just following you for the sake of doing things. Because it is possible to start out right and not end right. It's possible that you're just going about your day, your religious activities, probably even going to church and reading the word, but your heart and your passion is really not for God. But I have this complaint, this continues on against you. You don't love me or each other as you did at first. First point, if you love him, talking about God, you will spend time with him. Is it possible that we started out right and are slowly fading in our relationship with God? Are we as passionate for God as when we first started or met him? Is he truly the center of our lives and of everything we do? Or are we just going through the motions of Christian living? Is God truly the strength of our hearts? Do we look for him daily or have we replaced him with or for something else? Salvation is a gift, they say, but intimacy is a choice. Are we more intimate with him now than ever before? Is he still the love of our lives? 
The believers at Ephesus struggled. They struggling beneath the weight of a godless and immoral culture had maintained the letter of the law, but had lost the spirit of the law. Jesus commended them for their hard work, perseverance, rejection of false teaching. But he was grieved that it had just become a routine in their service for him, rather than serve him with the passion they once had. Their actions were there, but their hearts were not. I heard a preaching message once before. He said, Christianity is not a buffet. Some of you love buffet. I love, I love eating Chinese buffet. I even love Indian food, Japanese buffet. I love all these things. You know how it is in a buffet. You choose the food you want to eat, right? See, Christianity is not a buffet. You can't say to God, you can't say, God, you know what? I want a little bit of prayer. Just give me a little bit of prayer. Mm-hmm. I want to, oh, by the way, blessings. Oh, I, give me a lot of the blessings. Okay. I'll have a bit of the, oh, the giving, uh, just a little bit. The, a plate full of love, perhaps, of joy, serving, uh, a little bit. Discipleship, uh, I, I don't think I'm into that thing. I don't like eating that thing. Okay. Uh, tithes and offering, uh, pass for now. Nope. Fellowship, uh, okay. You see, we kind of choose what we want, right? We want the Bible to conform to what we want and we disregard the things we don't want or don't want to hear. Jesus' words to the believer in Ephesus should challenge all servants of the Lord. It's easy to get caught up in the busyness of ministry, church work, volunteering, and not realizing our passion for the Lord has cooled. We're no longer propelled into service by love, but by some other selfish or worldly motivation. See, the world is so attractive. And sometimes we become so selfish. This is what I want. Our passions go first before God. We may think God doesn't mind as long as we're outwardly obeying, but He does mind. It hurts Him and it violates the greatest commandment. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength. So how can we tell if He's still the love of our lives? My second point, if you love Him, you will obey Him. If you love me, you will keep my commandments. It's easier to obey someone if you're doing it not out of obligation, but out of an overflow of gratitude. I want to obey this God because God, you are awesome. You're just so good to me. Even when I don't deserve it, you still bless me. You take care of me and my family. I don't know how to thank you enough. That's why I want to serve you and I want to obey you. Tell me what you want me to do. Because you love me so much, I have grown to love you too. And because of this love that I feel for you, I want to obey you. This is where the church of Ephesus failed. My third point, if you love him, you will feed my sheep. The third time he said to him, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Peter was hurt because Jesus asked him the third time, do you love me? He said, Lord, you know all things. You know that I love you, Jesus said. Feed my sheep. Sheep represents your fellow brothers and sisters in Christ. Feeding doesn't just mean physical food. It also means spiritual food. It also means to encourage one another in the Lord. It means to take care of His people. It can also mean sharing what you have with fellow believers. Remember, the reason God is blessing you is so that you can become a blessing to others. I believe you guys watching, you're already a blessing. That's why you're so blessed. This is another way to show your love for God when you feed His sheep. And my last point, if you love Him, 
you will love what he loves. For the Son of Man came to seek and to save the lost. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. The verses was referring, this particular verses were referring to the lost people, to people who don't know God yet. We too were once lost, but God found us. God found me. God sought us, you and I. We didn't seek him after we didn't seek after him. He loved us first. He sought and loved the lost. God loves you and I. Think about that. And because of this, we have learned to love him back. Because of this, we too can love the lost. We have the same love and compassion for the lost in the same way he does. As I grew and mature in the Lord, I've learned to love what he loves. I find myself loving people I don't know. I thought that was impossible. Even the people that are not easy to love. You know, there's a, one verse that says, love your enemies. I said, God, that's impossible. But as I grew in the, in the Lord, I realized it is possible that you can forgive and you can love. Because I'm beginning to have the eyes of Christ, the heart of Christ for the lost. I now see the old me in others and how God chased me, ran after me, went after me. Now I have the same desire to go for the lost, to introduce Christ to them, to make Christ their Savior, the Redeemer of this world. Just to summarize, if you love him, you will spend time with him. If you love him, you will obey him. If you love him, you will feed his sheep. And if you love him, you will love what he loves. If you haven't given your life to God, to this amazing God, and you want to do it now, here's your opportunity, folks. Today can be your day. Don't, don't tell me, tell God. Because God is omnipresent, omnipresent. He is ever hearing, always hearing us. 